Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Hour two on this Thursday afternoon. Spencer McLaughlin in for John Kanzano here on The Baldface Truth Radio Network. Plenty of news in the college sports world to get to. Had Carter Baines of Beaver Blitz on earlier. Let's bring on Eric Scopel, 24-7 Sports, the Austin Audible's podcast on the line. Eric, how are things over in your land? Uh, it's been busy, Spencer. <laughs> it's been busy. <laughs> Certainly a lot going on the last couple of days, but uh, hey, that's part of the fun. It is, you know, part of the fun at, at some level. On the other hand, I was going to play golf this morning. At least that was my plan 48 hours ago. That plan got nipped in the bud pretty uh, pretty quickly when, when Colorado decided to, to leave. So your, your take on whether or not the pack can, uh, frankly, just continue to exist in, in light of the, the, the Colorado news and as we just kind of sit here waiting every single moment with, I mean, maybe more defections coming, maybe not. We don't really know but we're certainly in in wait and see mode uh, as to how all of this all this shakes out yeah i'm probably more skeptical in the last 24 hours than i have been and i'm, I'm trying not alone than i have been throughout the whole process of realignment of, of kind of what the future for this conference hold and just sentimentally that's disappointing that's sad i mean i'm 34 years old i've been a big fan of college sports and big fan of pac-12 sports in particular for multiple decades and to potentially see this league folding or not operating and anywhere near the same capacity as it has is, is kind of a shock to the system and, and disappointing. Um, and I guess I just would say, I, I, I think, I think it seems unlikely Colorado is the only shoe to drop. It just would be my read on it. And if that's the case, and this number gets down to seven or eight or six schools, I don't, I don't really see a path to viability. And, and that's where a school like Oregon makes a lot of sense to probably, and I'm not saying they haven't already, but makes a lot of sense to peek around a little bit more aggressively. Um, I, I don't don't have any reporting on that, that that's something that's in the works. I think, you know, logically it makes sense that there is interest from Oregon and Washington, the two big brands in the conference still, to try to land on their feet as best they can right now. But these are uncertain times, and, you know, it, there, there is a level of, irony to the fact that Colorado, who is probably the worst football program, at least during the, the time they've been in the conference, and Arizona, who it sounds like is another one of the schools that's peeking around at the Big 12, um, are two of the schools that maybe are what ultimately kind of leveled the death knell on the conference, considering those are, again, those are two of kind of the bottom feeders, but do you understand why there's urgency for everybody, regardless of if you're at the top of a conference, the middle, the bottom, to to try to find the best position possible. And, and for, for a lot of these schools, it makes sense clearly based upon what they're hearing from Pac-12 and the possible media rights deal that there's more stability elsewhere. And if that's the case for Colorado and maybe Arizona and others, I would imagine that ultimately that's going to be the case for the rest of the league too, which again, kind of saddens me to say. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting to to try and play it out because I think when you, you, you talk in, in, in generalities, and, and look, everyone on planet Earth right now, I think, is guilty of this, of, you know, oh, well, you know, Arizona's not going, or Colorado won't be the only one. Arizona will, will follow. Well, is the Big 12 then going to take everybody else? Could 
could an 18 pack cobble together enough G5 schools or could they just go find two of them to, you know, add for 2024 and beyond and then add two more in, in the future and continue to exist? Or let, let, let's say Arizona is the next domino to fall. Let's say that drops tomorrow just as, as a hypothetical. If Arizona sure. were, were to leave, what, what would Utah, which has been adamant as an administration, university, Mark Harlan, their athletic director, has been one of the, the lone vocal voices in the pack consistently throughout the process that has been, you know, pretty anti-Big 12. And I've heard that they're, you know, steadfast in that commitment to want to be in the pack. If Arizona then goes, would, would Utah and Arizona State suddenly hop on board? But would they be welcomed in ahead of Oregon and, and Washington? And then are Oregon State and Washington State left out to, you know, the Mountain West or the American? or would, And then Stanford and Cal are just – like, there's still – a lot of pieces that would have to fall. And I think the question that it would probably come down to is how willing is the big 12 to go beyond, you know, they're at 13 schools with Colorado. Are they willing to go not just to 16, but to, but, but to 18, frankly, because of the number of schools that would be, that would be left over in the pack. All the questions that you just ran through are questions that are running through everybody in this region's head right now. And it just, frankly, it's a mess, right? I mean, there's so much to consider. There are so many hypotheticals. There's, there's so many reports. Who knows? You know, I'm not going to question the viability of the individuals doing the reporting, but who knows how much of the messaging is really accurate to conversations that are happening behind the scenes. Um, you know, is, is, is there a, an individual suggesting one thing to potentially point a negative light on the other, you know, on the other side of the things, of course, I, I'm sure that's taking place. And, and to your point, yeah, I, I think, I think the question is, is how, how does this all play out? And I know that's really simplistic, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a simple conclusion to this is I guess is my answer. It, it doesn't feel like it's just going to be, Hey, the big 12 and the PAC 12 are going to unofficially merge and, you know, there's going to be a super 20-team conference there, and it's going to be, hey, it's most of the, the old teams from the Pac-12 now mixing with a lot of the uh, older members of the Big 12. That, that seems probably a little over-romanticized on my part, that it's going to be that simple. But I also don't know really what the – I mean, I, I have an idea of what the alternatives are, but the alternatives for, like, a school like Oregon, say, I mean, if the alternative is stay in the Pac-12 at an even more discounted media rights feel and rate than what you'd get in the Big 12, then you wouldn't want to sign on for that. And, of course, if you're Oregon and Washington, the fact that you've been, at least in the past, I know there's been reporting even in the last week or so that the Big Ten's pretty comfortable standing pat with their current members, but that's obviously where Oregon and Washington probably would like to go if that's an option. And so, yeah, what what, what does a school like Oregon do, hypothetically, if, you know, there's an offer made? I'm, I'm sure there's been a communication already with, Oregon and, and the Big 12, or at least an understanding of what that might look like. Is there? Does it make sense even for a school like Oregon to join the Big 12 if ultimately it wants to go to another school? That feels like you're you're getting married to somebody with the idea that you actually want to be with another partner, but they're in a relationship somewhere else or not interested right now, right? It feels weird. So um, I'm with you. There's it's a mess. There's so much going on. It's hard to know what to, what's true, what's not true, or even if something is true, will it be true later? Um, and to your point, and the one I made earlier, I really don't think it's going to be as simple as, hey, these two school two leagues are basically going to merge. I, I think ultimately probably there will be other schools that end up in the Big 12, and probably there will be schools that are formerly from the Pac-12 who end up elsewhere. Um, but it's really, really hard to, to kind of 
speak with any level of confidence about how any of this will play out. And, and frankly, I guess the other thing I'm curious on is just the timeline of all of this. How expedited does this become? Like, are are we looking at a thing where not only uh, is the Pac-12 could, could the Pac-12 like cease to exist by 2024, 2025? Like, is is it that fast? Or are we looking at maybe there's going to be some kind of in between years where there's a really a smaller conference that has some of these traditional Pac-10, Pac-12 schools? I don't know, but I know that the ult- the ultimate outcome of this is going to probably feel um, a lot different than what expectations were about a year ago when USC and UCLA um, kind of pulled the chairs out from everybody uh, and joined the Big Ten. Eric Scopel, 24-7 Sports in Duck Territory. Go check out uh, his stuff. Joining me here on the Bald Face Truth, Spencer McLaughlin in for John Canzano. So for the school that uh, that you cover, Eric, that being Oregon in you know where where they could end up, where where they should want to end up. It's no secret that Oregon's goal right now, and Phil Knight's goal, is to win a national championship on the football field. That's what he wants to do. That's what he stated he wants to do. That's what the the program wants to do. Going forward, let's say the pack is able to somehow put duct tape on the Titanic and plug enough holes. And hey, look, if they do that, more power to them and such, because it's you know, seeming more and more of a, of a dire situation, but they're meeting and talking about it right now. So we'll just see how that all plays out. But if they're able to do that, do you think the pack is a place where Oregon can accomplish those goals? Or do you think that recruiting could take a hit because they're, uh, because they're in the pack and look, Colorado with, with Dion might've been more of a recruiting competitor, but still I feel like Oregon is able to recruit in the pack regardless and recruit against USC and UCLA for California kids in the pack, no matter what, maybe not with more defections if the league's perception takes another hit, but can Oregon's goals be accomplished in the pack going forward if the nine remaining schools stay committed and they, you know, continue with the league in whatever form it may take? I think that what the media rights deal ends up being is really critical to all of that. Um, I don't have, I don't disagree at all that. I think Oregon can sustain success probably almost in any conference it's in in the nation, um, just based upon the amount of support, um, the, the, the tradition it's built. The, I mean, this has become a program that has a big national brand, and I don't think that just vanishes because you're in a lesser conference. A school like Clemson can, can kind of speak to that. My, my, my big concern, and speaking specifically about recruiting, wouldn't be as much in the short term because I think Oregon is going to continue to recruit well, and while – they wait for the media rights deals to kick in elsewhere and all that money to kind of, you know, fall, fall into place at all these schools. Like there, there will be a period here where I don't have any doubts. Oregon can be very competitive on the recruiting trail. We haven't mentioned it and probably the first time I'm sure we'll get to it eventually. They just signed up their head coach for an extension, gave him a lot of money, gave him competitive comp- compensation to make it at least a, a difficult decision for a bigger school to come in and try to pry him away if they wanted to hypothetically. Um, my concern is just is, is the long term. Is is we get if you get if Oregon stays in a conference where I don't even want to throw out a hypothetical, but if the if the media rights deal if they're being making tens of twenties of thirties of millions less than the schools are competing with to try to win a national championship, that really makes it difficult. Like just point blank to to, to try to really expect to recruit at the same level. I mean, and that's where college sports and professional sports, I guess, with the exception of Major League Baseball, where there's no real salary caps. Like that's that's kind of where it differs. Where, I mean, you you could be looking at a spot here where where Oregon is a really competitive football brand, yet is 
20, 30, 40 million dollars behind what schools and other conferences are that they're competing for recruits. And while that might not be a deciding factor on an individual basis, because you might be able to pitch them on, hey, you can come dominate this conference and maybe it's an easier path to the college football playoff, I think ultimately you're going to be at a deficit with resources, which makes it really difficult to be as effective and consistent as a recruiting uh, brand. So that would be my concern more is, is again, and this is the whole thing all along, is I, I've said some from the start, like, it, I, I'd love for the Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever you want to refer to it as, how many ever teams are in it. Pac-9, we've got nine left. Yeah. We're like we're like Pac-9. a cat. We have nine lives. <laughs> like I'd love for it to exist, but I, I I also think legitimately, if you if you really want to be honest with yourself and you look at the potential financial ramifications of of that kind of a financial deficit compared to your competition over a four or five decade long period, it adds up and becomes pretty easy to see a path where Oregon not only falls behind other schools out west if they're if you know if, if let's say the big 12 and the big 10 are, are, are really far ahead but also fall kind of out of the realm of it being a major possibility to compete for for national championship aspirations which obviously is what their goal is at so do, do you not feel at all that you know, as as other conferences will obviously continue to outpace the pack and even before the, the Colorado announcement, which I don't know if it changes the calculus entirely, but USC and UCLA certainly do from a media rights valuation standpoint. Do you not feel that Phil Knight can be kind of the equalizer for Oregon in that sense, in the resources and keeping up with NIL and, you know, facilities and great visits and, and, and everything like that? I think that's a lot to put on one person. Um, and I think it's a little unfair maybe a little unfair for me to and for others to just expect someone else to spend at that level. I mean, obviously Phil's been incredibly generous to the university of Oregon. I, I don't have the total, but it's, it's gotta be a billion North in terms of total, uh, you know, dollars donated to athletic and academic resources. So he's already been extremely generous. Does he have a lot more to spend potentially? Absolutely. I mean, he's <laughs> despite giving away and being so generous with his money, his his net worth is is increasing, not decreasing. So, sure, is there a pathway to that? Possibly. I just think it's a lot to ask to to to, 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 to I guess rely on that, and especially for for how long? I mean, I don't also want to get too morbid, but he's not going to live forever. And ultimately, I mean, could he leave some massive endowment that would make Oregon competitive past the point of you know when he passes? Possibly. But I just think for me, that's that's I'm not discounting that possibility or that fact because I, I think there could be some some truth to the fact that yeah Oregon maybe could be at a again a running behind the rest of the schools it's competing with um, in terms of the media rights deal and some of that could get supplemented by the generosity of, of Phil Knight which by the way it sounded to bring it back to the Dan Lanning part you know reading between the lines from what Rob Mullins the athletic director said today it sounds like a, a much it, it, you know, maybe all or, or close to all of that came from what he described as philanthropy from from donors. So um, I wouldn't, I mean, certainly wouldn't discount Oregon from being competitive along those lines. I just think that's kind of a lot to ask of, again, one person who has already been extremely generous. I know his buy-in with Oregon sports is, is through the roof and he cares more than probably you, myself, those around the program, everybody listening, just because of how much he's already proven there. But um, I just, I just think that's maybe too much. Speaking of Dan Lanning, who uh, you mentioned, he got a contract extension and a raise. He's now one of the 15 highest paid coaches in the country, tied with Brent Venables and Kirk Ferentz at uh, Oklahoma and Iowa. It runs an extra year from his original contract through 2028. 
the buyout is big, the the contract is big. I I, I look at it and say they're paying Dan Lanning in the way that they are expecting him to perform, that the university and fans expect him to perform. I mean, I'm sure that they believe he is capable of, though we haven't seen, I think, uh, the, the best of Dan Lanning as Oregon's head football coach at, at this point in time. What was your reaction to the contract? I like the way you, you framed it there, Spencer, of, of uh, they're paying for what the expectation will be in terms of performance, because, I would agree. Um, I think a lot of people's reactions I've seen on social media, on our website, have kind of been like, wow, it was just one year, and now you're giving an, you know, an annual $2.5 million bump, basically, um, in, in, a, in a deal that you know, adds another year. Has he proven enough to really deserve that? And I think clearly the answer internally, and from those that make these decisions we just mentioned, one of the people who I think was probably pretty clearly involved in that is 100% yes. And I don't think you make this sort of a commitment if the answer is, ah, it's kind of wishy-washy, we're not sure. And there's a lot of things that kind of stood out from the way, I guess, um, Rob Mullins presented this. I think one of the things that that stood out was, you know, regarding the, the $20 million buyout, which, by the way, is significantly more than what was in the original contract, which I think started as a $14 million buyout and then descended all the way down to after his fifth year, it only cost a million dollars. That was the previous language. Now it's 20, I think, across the board through duration. But some of the language that, that Rob shared, I thought was interesting talking about how even though it's just been one year and Rob Mullins has been Oregon's athletic director for quite some time, he says he's not sure there's been this sort of community, you know, commitment and commitment kind of locally from a head football coach since back in the Mike Bellotti, Rich Brooks days, which which predate his time at Oregon, by the way. So I, I think it speaks to the fact that, I mean, Rob's basically saying we haven't had somebody in this position since I've been here, and he's been here since Chip and Mark and all those guys were here, That's that's really seems committed and, and kind of invested the way that Dan Lanning has proven to be. And I think given what's happened the last couple of times with – with head coaches that have left abruptly, with um, maybe a lack of stability in the conference, they're like, hey, let's get some stability at least with the head football coach. Yep. I think that makes a ton of sense. I mean, Oregon's been – this will be the – if he lasts more than four years, it'll be the first time since Mike Bellotti, a head football coach, has done that at Oregon. That's just not something that's been reality. So I get it for a variety of reasons. Do I think Dan Lanning still has a lot to prove as a head football coach at Oregon? A million percent, I think Dan would say as much. I think he already probably has said as much publicly. Um, so I guess I'm not overly surprised because the, kind of as you said to start, I, I think they're paying for what they are thinking this is going to be two, three, four, five years down the line. But I understand why fans are maybe saying, hey, can we, can we win 12 games? Can we win the conference? Can we beat one of our rivals before we dole out the big, the big money? Um, but I think in today's college football climate, and especially where Oregon finds itself, this makes an awful lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I think that the evolving landscape and uncertainty and the also the, the recent history with, you know, Mario and Willie uh, leaving the school when, uh, when they did after one and four years, respectively. If you don't have that, I'm not sure that this, you know, like the, the 10 and three season was, was a good year, but... As everybody knows, you lost to Washington, you lost to Oregon State in a pretty ugly fashion in in both of those games, just an inability to adjust on Dan Lanning's side of the ball, that being the the defense. But I think that all those factors kind of came together that led them to believe, okay, this is a decision that uh, that that we have to make right now and that we that we should make to just find stability. When people are in chaos, they're 
they're always seeking stability, right? And everything feels very chaotic and hectic and all over the place. Um, and, and so I, I think it makes sense from uh, from that standpoint. Eric Scopel, 24-7 Sports, Duck Territory, the Odds and Audibles podcast. Eric, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Spencer. Big fan of your work. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. We'll be taking your calls here next on the Bald Face Truth, Truth Radio Network.